our gospel, which is also printed in your bulletin insert, should you like to follow along, is from the 16th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Before we hear these words, let us pray. God of light and wonder and mystery and presence, as we read these ancient word, may we hear a word for us this day. And so we pray in the power of the name of the one who is the word, the Logos, the Christ. Amen. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great sufferings at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Rabbi, this must never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone wants to become one of my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it, will find it. But what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Humanity, humanity is to come with angels in the glory of the Abba. And then the Christ will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here now who will not taste death before they see the Son of Humanity coming in all glory. May God speak to us today through these words. We heard from Exodus 3 that Jenna read, Take off your shoes. These are the first words that Moses heard from God. Moses is out tending the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro, and he comes upon a bush blazing but not being consumed. He draws near to look at this odd thing, as you or I might, and he hears a voice from the burning bush say, Moses, Moses, come no closer. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy. Take off your shoes. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I have read this passage or preached on this passage, I've always, been, I've always assumed that God wanted Moses to be in a posture of reverence because he was, after all, in the presence of the presence, the Almighty One of all creation. But what if, what if God wanted something else from Moses? Carla Sumala, a professor at Luther College in Iowa, wrote a very interesting commentary on this text that kind of captivated my thinking this week. She wrote, In Japan, it's customary to remove one's shoes when entering a house, a custom that dates back to the 7th or 8th century, and today is practiced by over 98% of the population in Japan. When asked why, two reasons surface. The first, cleanliness, to keep the home clean, Second, and more important, is to allow the guests to feel welcomed, relaxed, and themselves. 
What if God wanted Moses to be relaxed so he could hear what was next to come? Now, this makes more sense to me than cleanliness. I mean, Moses came upon a bush burning in a desert. Stay with me here. I realize uh, 7th century Japan tradition is very different from pre-Christian Palestine, but just stay with me. For this is what comes next in the text. God lays out a huge refugee rescue operation. In the verses following, take off your shoes, God lays out this plan. Moses, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry at the hands of their taskmasters. I know how much they are suffering, and I've decided it's time for me to do something about it. I want to get them out of Egypt, bring them back to a good broad land, one flowing with milk and honey, as I promised their ancestors. So here's the deal, Moses. Here's the plan. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. If it were for respect, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground and all. Moses' reaction doesn't quite indicate much humility or reverence as a shoeless man before the deity might imply. I would think a more reverential response would be, I'm really afraid to do this, but with your help I will. On the contrary, Moses basically says, using Carla's words, I quote, hey, wait a minute, God, I'm not ready for this. Then he goes on to provide a whole list of reasons why he is not the right man for the job. Does this sound like a man who knows how to pre behave properly in God's presence? Moses sounds more like a regular person, a regular guy, a little like you and me. And maybe this is the point of the story, or a point of the story. What I love here, it shows how human Moses is. A person with fears and apprehensions, just like us. Sounds a lot like Peter in our gospel this morning. Now, Jesus and his disciples are making their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus lets them know the events that are going to unfold there, which will eventually lead to his death and resurrection. Peter can't handle this. So instead of being the rock on which Jesus was to build his church, remember, Peter's name was Simon. Jesus said, I'm going to change your name from Simon to Petros, which is rock, and on you I'm going to build my church. Well, in this passage, he's not a rock, he's more of a stumbling block. He can't hear what Jesus is saying, so he pulls Jesus aside, chastises him as if he has lost his faith. Then Jesus speaks those very odd words, get behind me, Satan. Jesus wasn't calling Peter Satan, but saying, in effect, Peter, you're playing the role of the adversary, like Satan, get behind me. You're not speaking truth. You're not focusing on divine things. You're focusing on human things. Just be my follower. Don't try to impede the work of God. You know, Peter throughout scripture is often depicted as weak. But in reality, he was simply a human being. 
What these two points, at least today, are saying to me is that we are truly ourselves, we can be of service to greater good. We can be of service to God's kingdom, God's realm, God's sovereignty here on earth, which is so needed at this particular time in our history. And God longs for an intense friendship with us, and we can only do this, my friends, if we're truly ourselves before God. God doesn't want us to be anyone other than who we are. And yet so often we spend our lives trying to be someone other than we are. The thing lovely about Peter is that he always went full force, full tilt into whatever he was doing. Remember, he jumped out of the boat and tried to walk on water, to walk toward Jesus, didn't work real well. This story, he says, no, Lord, we can't go to Jerusalem. We have to find another way. And then there's that story that, if I were Peter, I'd feel badly about. I'm sure he did. In the courtyard following the crucifixion, where he was asked, do you know the man? He said, I don't know the man. But Peter went on to become an amazing disciple. Moses went on to be a leader of his people both boldly being themselves honest before the holy, taking off one's shoes so they could be themselves, thus becoming themselves. There is an old Hasidic story that points to this. Rabbi Elias, when he was an old man, said, in the world to come, they will not ask me, why were you not more like Moses? Rather, they will ask me, why were you not more like Elias? To know, to really know and embrace our true identity, as Joan Chittister reminds us, is to know that the God who made us is with us still no matter what. The God who made us is with us still no matter what. And all that God wants for us, my friends, is to be ourselves. Not very profound but not very easy either. This is how we not only save ourselves, save our lives, it's how we actually find our lives. Amen.